Let's pray and we'll get started. Jesus, help. Amen. We've been in a series uh, that this is, I believe, the fourth week. Fourth week? Someone nod your head. Yes, fourth week in the series. And we've been doing um, this in a session on Wednesday night and Tuesday night for young adults. Whoop, whoop. Um, and uh, what we've been doing is breaking this down, this series, in, in, in our connect groups. And so I want you to know that I believe wholeheartedly that the greatest way to grow in relationship with God is uh, not in a row but in a circle. And what I mean by that is that when we dialogue the things that we're learning or the things that we don't know or the things that we're struggling with and we present that with other people, it encourages and grows us. And so if you like me, I'm a student of Jesus before I'm a teacher, and if you want to grow, I believe you should get in a circle and talk about what God is doing in your life. Uh, I believe it will be the fastest way that will accelerate your relationship with God. To have people to rebuke you and encourage you is a fantastic thing. Amen? Man, you guys are dead today. Amen! Yeah, I'm going to need some help because this is uh, kind of left wing today. Left wing. No, I don't know. Here we go. So the first week that we started this series, we what we're talking about is freedom. And we're going to have a Saturday at the end of this series where we have a day of prayer where we're going to pray over each other. I went through this curriculum. It's fantastic. I learned it. Our whole staff went through it. And so we learned it first. And because we learned it, we said our whole church needs to know this, know this, because this is a problem, and I'm learning, I mean, 18 years now as a Christian, I, honest to God, am learning this for the second time right now, like, because I just, I just did it, I forgot, God. okay, so anyways, what we did four weeks ago is we started talking about um, Adam and Eve and their problem that they had to have freedom, and so here, I'm going to give you some past notes, and here we go. We're talking about the Adam and Eve in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. Both were in the garden of Eden. I didn't even know that. I forgot completely about it, right? Great sermon here. Uh, and so the tree of the, ap- the, the, <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil, uh, water, water. And so was the, when Adam and Eve ate of it, what I'm learning is that many of us, even as Christians, are trying to get to God, trying to pursue God the best that we have, and we're doing it the wrong way. Here's what you need to know. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. Of all of God's creation, they were the only ones created in the image of God. When God created them, he said, this is very good. Everything else he made, he said it was good. When he made Adam and Eve, he said it was very good. This is made in his image, and when he makes them, one of the greatest things he says is that it's very good. Now, what's important about this is when Adam was deceived and Eve was deceived by the serpent, you know what he told them? He said, if you eat of that apple, then you can be like God. But they were already made like God. And so many of us in our life, whether we realize it or not, are trying to get to God and trying to become like God, and what we're doing is we're doing Christianity wrong. Not you. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've been doing Christianity wrong, but you're going to learn about this. Watch this. Many of us are eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and what the fruit of it looks like is that if you just do more, you can get to God. 
If you just read your Bible more, or if you just pray more, or if you give more, or you tell more people about Jesus, then you can get to God. But this is wrong. The reality of the gospel is this. The tree of life, Jesus Christ would say this. Receive the fact that Jesus has already done it all. There is nothing you have to do to get to God. Jesus did it all. And if we forget that, that on Calvary, Jesus paid the price once and for all for you and for me, that he already loves you just as you are, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we don't get that, we've unlearned the gospel and are learning a lot of theological crap. Amen? Can someone help me preach this message today? Because I'm telling you, in my life, I've fallen victim of, I just need to do more. I, I'm not praying enough. God is not happy with me because I'm not praying enough. I don't read the Bible enough. And, and I just feel like I'm not good enough for Him. And this is a terrible feeling to have. Brady, can you stand up for a second? I'm going to illustrate something. Let's pretend that Brady, the biggest guy in every room he goes into, Brady is God the Father. Okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm Tiny Timmy. I'm, I'm, his, I'm his son. Right? And I just, I don't know if you can illustrate a father and a son, but no father wants his son to feel like a bad son. He doesn't. But many of us feel like we're bad children because we haven't done dot, 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 dot. In fact, what father wants is for us to learn confidence in anything it is that we're trying to do for him. And the only way we're going to know that is if we know that whatever happens, the end result is you're still my kid. And now, once I know that I'm already his kid, now I have confidence. I don't have to approach this with fear. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Papa. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get approval. If you just keep trying to do more, and, 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 and one day God will sign off on what you're doing. Um, the tree of life would say, he already loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So whatever it is you're struggling with, you don't have to do anything to get approval. He loves you. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, obey out of duty. But the tree of life says, obey out of delight. Once you understand you're my son, all of these things that you want to do for him, Will feel a lot, it'll feel like oxygen that you're doing it because you love God, not so you can get His love. There's nothing my kids could ever do to make me love them more. I just like them. I like them. I picked them. Even when they're boneheads, turns out I still like them. <laughs> but, doesn't mean they're not a bonehead once in a while, but there's nothing that they're going to do that's going to make me love them more, and there's nothing they can do to make me love them less. I love them. And if you forget this, Everything else that we do in life for Christ, we're going to do wrong. And so uh, we talked about a few things over the last couple weeks. Um, I got my notes backwards. That would have been really awkward for you guys, huh? Some of the things we said the last couple uh, weeks is that we're trying to get through God through works. Uh, we're trying to get to God through knowledge. If we just learn more and memorize more scripture, then we'll be more like God. Uh, I'm telling you, there's nothing else you have to do. We, last week we talked about this. I loved it, man. It was so good. It was good for me. Maybe it wasn't for you. But the difference of being a son and being a servant. 
Anyone else get that last week, right? We, we said about how a servant has a contractual agreement that like, if I do this for you, then I get to benefit from doing this. And that's the way a servant thinks. And many of us are, are approaching God as if we're a dog with fleas, hoping that he signs off and he likes us and he lets us stay in his house. But the reality is, is that we were adopted. He picked us and said, now you're my child. You're great. I'm robing you in righteousness. What do you want? Everything. My heart is yours. My throne. You want to sit on my lap. Anything you want. You can come to me. Uh, you're a son. And a son is different than a servant. Um, the f- and everything else, I'm going to bring us to that point right there. Cool. Yep. I think this is going to be really rad for some of you guys today. I asked a question last week, and I loved that someone helped me and answered exactly what they were thinking. When they were wrong, it's, it's not actually wrong. It's what's going on inside of us, and I loved it. I was so happy that they were wrong. And it's not because I'm, I'm right. It's because I have the same problem going on inside of me. We, I asked this last, last week, and I said, is it possible to stand innocent before God? on earth and someone said no and uh man i loved it it made me so happy because that's the real answer is that oh crap i just i stink but jesus died so that i didn't have that feeling like we're he wants us to be with him there, comfortable son honored like and so i've got all these problems in my life and when i stand before god i feel like Naked. Like he really knows everything that's going on. He really knows that I flipped some guy off on I-4 this week because he was driving in the wrong lane. Anyone else? No, no one else did that. I didn't do it. I'm just, anyway, yeah, maybe I did. <laughs> um, the left lane, though, so y'all know, is for the passing lane, right? It's good to educate everyone. The left, the far lane is not to, to cruise in. Get off your phone and praise the Lord. Amen. I get an amen today? All right. Here we go. Um, and so the reality is this, is that you can feel 100% pure and blameless standing before God. Because the scripture, this is a, a theological lesson I'm going to teach you guys here today. Honestly, some of the kids that are going to seminary are learning this now. And if you haven't learned it, here is an $85,000 lesson for you guys. And, it, and the key word today is how can you feel innocent standing before God? And the word that the scripture would use for innocent standing before God, when you come to Christ, you are justified. Everyone say justified. What justified means, this is an $85,000 lesson for all of, all of our theologians over here, our seminary students. Uh, this, is, this is what justified means, just as if I never sinned. When you stand before God, you have been justified. The moment you declare that Jesus is Lord, you have been justified by your faith in God. What it means is that God declares over you your innocence. He declares over you that you are now perfect in his sight because you are now his. You have surrendered that your will is no longer significant, that you are not going to do this on your own or with your own pride, that he is bigger than you, and now you want him. And in that moment, daddy's all in. I don't know if you got uh, uh, anyone has ever had kids here, but there is sometimes the nature of a kid to want to do it on their own. 
I can take out the trash, Dad. As they drag the garbage through the, and you just see like the grease and the ketchup and everything leaving. Has anyone? And see, oh, but Dad, I can do it. No, you can't. Just let me help you. The moment that you say that Jesus is Lord, it is just as if your pride, your lust, your covetousness, your greed, your anger, your lack of self-control has never happened. I'm telling you, there's no experience in all of the world like being justified, standing before God, knowing that you are now redeemed. I mean, like the moment that you get baptized in water, the moment that you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the moment that you know that everything that you've done wrong has somehow been made right by someone else that had nothing to do with you. Can you imagine the moment being in a courtroom where that judge comes down with that mallet knowing that you did it? And he says, you're free. How your heart would just... justified now what's hard about being justified is in our nature how do we feel innocent standing before God is we have this other problem going to war with justification and that's called sanctification oh man sanctification is not the fun part right and so what happens is with sanctification is there's this process of being redeemed it's like you could Take something that was old right here. Watch this. This is pretty neat. I like this. I was thinking about this. We got a couple, uh, two years ago, we bought water to do an outreach with, right? And we put our labels on it, and it was purified water inside the, in the little bottles, right? And we put our labels on it, and we paid money for it. And I was so excited because we paid a lot of money to put, like, little labels on there. We said the way. We put our phone number on there. And it was, like, really cute. You know, it was a little water. And uh, we were like, this is great. And so we handed out, like, 200 of them, and we had, like, 50 of them left over. And so what we did is we put them in the back um, and put them in a bucket. And about a year and a half later, I found them. And I was like, cool. And we were working. We were doing a project. We were painting sheetrock in the back. And I was like, here's a water. Fantastic. And I took it off, and I, I drank it, and I almost threw up. Water, purified, you know, in a bottle, is already being contaminated by the vessel itself. The plastic that's keeping it pure is actually also contaminating it. This is the problem with justification and sanctification, is that you have skin on. And uh, the problem is, is that in your life, there is a process of being redeemed, that you need the Holy Spirit in your life to walk you through, to make the personality and the things that's going on in your nature to change. Because we need to change the way we think, the way we act. But the reality is, is that we have to know that we're justified before God. But we have to know that the things that's not right in our nature will change, but it doesn't change the commitment of God. As we know that we're justified by God, then it changes the way that we're sanctified. Here's what I mean. There is a lot of Christians today, and maybe I've done this probably more times than I'd like to admit, that my mind tells me that I have to be sanctified before I'll ever be justified. But the problem with that is that when I think that I need to become sanctified, I'm doing the work of the cross on my own. It means that I need to change in order to come to God. But I can't change me. I can't change 
my, my mind. I can't change my heart. I can't change the way I act. I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't cleanse my own sin. I need a Savior. Unless someone else here that's got this thing figured out wants to come up and die on the cross for the sins of everyone and they're blameless and never done anything wrong in their life, maybe you can do it. But I'm telling you, we need a Redeemer. And so the way this works is like, He justified us. And now the process of redemption and sanctification will work its way out in our life. Why this is important is um, I, I, as a pastor, I first want to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And it is the greatest commandment. And I am trying to learn how to honor God with my life. And I know that I don't have some things right, but I know that he's worthy. I know that there's no one that's ever loved me like he loves me. I know that there's never been anyone there for me like he's been there for me. And so I, when I look at my life and I see the things that's out of order, I want to fix it because of the way he loves me. So this thing called freedom is that I know that inside a lot of us, there's this battle and there's this turmoil of how do we get to the point where we're not living life with insecurity, with fear, with confusion. I, I really believe with all my heart that when God, who's mighty and strong, stands up over us and he says, I got you, that that should bring a lot of confidence and security to everything that it is that we do. But yet many of us are still feeling like we, we suck, we're terrible, we can't do this thing, we don't know how, I'm not good enough, like someone else will share the gospel to, to my coworkers because I'm not the right guy, someone else will have to teach the Bible, like I'm just not good enough to do this for the Lord, I've made too many mistakes and you don't know me. And that's hard because that's not the way a father wants their kids to feel. So everything that we do happens out of first, God picked me because he loves me. And then he's working on me. See, after we get saved, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is designed to show us the things that were once out of order that we didn't know because we didn't care, we weren't aware. And he's showing us now, hey, this little thing right here has got to change. But it's not out of the, the enemy. So as soon as they bit the apple, they felt shame. They felt nakedness. They felt condemnation. So they tried to fix it themselves with a fig leaf. Well, we'll just cover our own nakedness. And then they hear God and they hide. And this is what we do. We try to cover it ourselves. We didn't do anything wrong. And then we go and hide. But the reality is, is that he still loves us. He wants to cover us. He wants to fix it. He still wants us to be his children. The very first thing God did is he called them, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? You were already in the image of God. Why did you have to go feeling like you weren't? But it's not out of a, a God that's angry. It's out of a God that's concerned and is filled with love for his kids. So I don't know what theology we've got, but if it's not that God is love, God is wrong. I mean, you, you've got the wrong concept. He's a father. He's a creator. I had to say all that to start this message here today. 
So justification and sanctification, you can see its whole effort worked out in one verse found in Hebrews chapter 10. And it says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Let me show you. For by one sacrifice, that's Jesus, he has, past tense, God did, he made perfect. Perfect. Not kind of perfect, not mostly perfect, not like, eh, not bad. He made perfect. And so either we change the way we think or we'll forever walk with insecurity, hoping that God saved us. He made perfect forever those who were being made holy. Do you see it? Perfect, holy, being holy. He did it already. You have to gravitate that by faith. The moment that you declare that God is Lord, you're perfect. You're His. I... I uh, work in retail, and uh, I have a lot of times uh, people come into T-Mobile, and they want to show me their phones, and they want to show me their pictures of their kids, you know, and they're like, look at how cute this one is. Dear Lord, <laughs> slow down, you know. Uh, that's, uh, uh, but parents love their kids. Your daddy loves you. He loves you. Is that inappropriate? I feel like that's accurate. Here, here's what you need to know. That's it. All right, I got a verse to you, and here's, here's why we're all having a problem. So this, this class, this course, this 13 weeks we're doing is called Freedom because it's to help us overcome the obstacle inside of us of fighting all of the crap that comes with the insecurity and the confusion of not being good enough for someone that's already said you're perfect. And so it's, it's, it's helping you with the process of sanctification. Now, sanctification will work faster when you just submit to the word. When you just put yourself there and say, God, I want to learn. I want to know you. I want you to show me. I want you to help me. Um, but here we go. This is cool. Okay. So I already said this, but I'm going to read it to you. It's the first time I'm reading it in this series. And uh, we're going to dive in. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27, God is in heaven and he's uh, making the heavens and the earth. He's separating land from water. He's uh, creating the birds and the fishes and the stuff that flies and eats on the ground. And he's making all these cool stuff. And then he makes man. And God is alone in this moment. And he says this. He says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Let me stop there. I think that this is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. I don't know where you learned, but we believe in the blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think it's imperative for us all to understand that this is God. And this is one of the very first verses in the Bible, in the first chapter of the Bible, that we can see the Trinity. Where do you see the Trinity? Well, God is the only person that is in existence at this point, and somehow God is having a conversation in third person. Get it? Third person? Third person? And so anyways, let us make human beings with our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock with all the wild animals of the earth, with all the small animals that scurry along the ground. And stop there. And I love that when he's making us in his image, 
he first starts off making them in a way that they will walk in confidence and with authority. God wants nothing. If you don't walk in confidence, we got it wrong. We got to go to war with the pieces inside ourselves that says, I'm not right. I'm not good enough because he paid it all. Jesus paid it all. I can't sing. If you're new here, Rachel, I hate you right now. Okay. And then the very next verse in 27, it says, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, and so uh, let us make man in our image. And so in that verse, I see the blessed trinity. Uh, there's many other verses where I'm not going to take time. But the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God is made in three persons. And somehow there is equal harmony inside of him. But when God makes man in his image, somehow after the fall of man, the harmony breaks. When the confusion set in with the apple and the shame came in, all of a sudden the harmony that he made uh, now, please understand that when I preach this message, I believe that if you're not willing to be mature, you can take this message and run a little weird with it. I don't need you to go weird with this, but here's where I'm talking about. I believe that you are a spirit being. I believe that you live in a physical world, but you are a spirit. I believe that when you die, your body will rot in the ground and you will be with Jesus. You will exist. I know this because I know this because I know this because I've been in moments where some spiritual stuff went down. I ain't got time for that right now. But I, every hair on my body had goosebumps on steroids. I knew that something absolutely spiritual was taking place in that moment. Has anyone else ever been in that moment? The room all of a sudden is a lot smaller than what's going on because something is serious going on, and I don't know about it right now, and I, what in the world? You are a spirit person. And when you stand before God, you are a spiritual person living in a physical world. So you are a spirit, and you have a soul, and you have a body. And somehow the Blessed Trinity, when I look at God the Father, God the Spirit, in God the Son, I see the Blessed Trinity. And I'm going to explain this process of sanctification in the process of what's going to war with you today. So this message is pivotal in this series for you to understand why sanctification is becoming so hard for you. Does that make sense? I said all of that stuff to get to this point right here. Here we go. This is fun stuff. Lord, we need you a lot. Amen. I'm excited, man. I think that this is going to create a lot of freedom for a lot of people. First, you are spirit. I'm going to read you a verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in, in spirit. In spirit. You're united with the Lord in spirit. I'm going to read you another one here. Romans chapter 7, verse 22. For my inner being... I delight in God's law. Now, there are multiple verses throughout the Bible. If you don't believe me, I love that. Please always challenge your pastor to make sure that what they're saying is accurate and biblical. Um, and so, but here's what I want you to know is that you are a spirit. Research this in the Bible. 
And I have learned in my life that there are many people that have a lot of different encounters in their life that they call spiritual. And it is. For example, jumping out of an airplane. I'm telling you, there is an adrenaline rush that takes place where a person connects in a way where they feel alive. But it's not what they were created for. There are people that feel like they have a spiritual moment when they're at a U2 concert. And the music is pumping and it's loud and there's people all around them and everyone's facing one direction. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, this is awesome. But it's not what I was created for. People have a spiritual moment when they take ecstasy and drugs. And all of a sudden, it's like they come alive. And, but it's not what I was created for. And all of these things can lead to feeling vulnerable and broke and, and poor. And what I was created for, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but you're sitting in a, ro a room with a lot of people that will testify, is there is nothing. Like the moment that he comes... He purifies my soul, and His Holy Spirit overwhelms me, and all of a sudden I know it's not the music, it's not the people around me, but holy moly, Spirit, this is what I was destined for. All of a sudden, my soul is interacting with someone much bigger than me, and many people that have had this experience will say it is very overwhelming, like... He is all through me. Can I get an amen? amen? And this is what I was created for, that my spirit would connect with his spirit. Now, the reason why sanctification is hard is because when you're born again, your spirit connects with God. But inside of you and me, we all have a war going on in our body. Inside your body and inside my body, we also have things that we let take control. It is very biblical, and I'm going to show you. Check it out. In Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 19, the Apostle Paul would say this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I do, I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, then what I do, I do a lot of do-do in here. There's a lot of do-do all over this chapter here. I don't know if you understand this, but the Apostle Paul is saying, look, I want to do good. Is there any Christian in this room that has ever identified with the Apostle Paul that can help me out right now? I want to read my Bible, honest to God. I want to pray. I want to give more. I want to... I want to worship. I want to scream. I want to go tell the world for Jesus. I don't want to sin. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to judge that person. I don't want to look down on people like that. But yet inside me, there's this nature that somehow creeps up and overwhelms what I want to do. What I want to do, I know that God loves, and he's so proud of it, but somehow I have this thing fighting inside of me, and the Apostle Paul's like, dude, what I want to do, I'm not doing. What I want to do, I don't want to do. And I thought about it like this. Let me explain it to you. God, God in three persons, you in three persons, your spirit and your flesh. Let me explain it to you like this. I was hoping Will Doyle would be here today because he is a, a specimen of a man, uh, but he is, uh, he is not here. So I'm going to talk about Will Doyle is a, is a, is a trainer, and uh, he's like a trainer of trainers. You all don't know Will, but uh, anyways, um, he's kind of like, uh, like me. He looks a lot like me. Um, 
And so, uh, uh, but anyways, uh, if you were to ask Will, what does your body want? Will would say, well, that's easy. What your body wants is to eat well, to work out and exercise, right? Is there any person that would disagree? That's what my body wants. At the core of what I want, I know that's what I need. That's what I want, right? I need to exercise. I need to eat right. And my body keeps telling me this over and over again. I need to eat right. I need to exercise. I need to eat right. I need to exercise. I need to eat right. I need to exercise. If your body is not telling you that today, you need to talk to Will Doyle after service today. I'm telling you right now. Because that's what your body should be telling you or you're probably a fool. When you turn 50, when, no, when you turn 35, I found out. Your body's going to start telling you that you made some mistakes along the way, Jack. And uh, Right, Greg, can I get an amen? Uh, for some personal trainers in this room that will help me. And so, but what I've learned is that what my body is also saying is contradicting what my body is saying. And that is, just relax, man. You need to put your feet up and lay around for a while. Anyone thinking about Sandals Resort right now? You know, what I mean? putting your feet in the sand and forgetting about Kumbaya and this is fantastic. And eating some Oreos, double stuffed. You know what I'm talking about, right? Can I get double stuffed? Now that is the way of the Lord, right there. I mean, you deserve it. That's what our body is telling us: is that you deserve some salty McDonald's French fries. Mmm. That's what my body's saying. You know, Will put it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Uh, he lives a regiment diet. And his wife showed up at his gym with a pizza. And she said, you deserve it. And he was like ear to ear. He took a photo and put it on. Who doesn't think pizza is good? You know what I mean? Like, even when it's bad, it's good. You know, have you ever had a bad pizza? No, you haven't. Like, like Dorginos or whatever they call it. They're fantastic. But what I've learned is that my body craves what's not good for me. Even though what my body wants is good, somehow my body is at war with me craving what's not good. And it's the same way that sin is. It's craving something that's not good for you. Sex outside of marriage. It's craving something that is ultimately going to be massively destructive for me. Can I get an amen? Has anyone ever fallen snare to the scenario where it's all right? We love each other. And then all of a sudden we don't love each other. And look at what I've done. And the shame and the condemnation and the baggage that you take into the next relationship where it's like you're, now there's this comparison thing going on. And there's this insecurity that we're creating. And it's all from the apple. Flesh. Wants. Always something more that's terrible. And what I've learned is what my body wants most is to be in the presence of God. I swear that I swear that I swear that there is nothing like standing right here on Sundays. Y'all are not allowed this spot, just so you know. This is like my spot. And the way that the Lord shows up. Ain't got nothing to do with Rachel. I'm sorry. Nothing to do with you. Yeah, ain't. But when he comes, it's like, it's better than a jacuzzi. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's right for me. It's right for my soul. So then on, on the other side of it, right, there's this, there's this other problem that we've got going on. Oh. So my, what I'm curious is, right now in your life, you are justified. 
just as if you never sinned. But are you in your life being led by your cravings? And if that's the case, that's why you're going to war with yourself and feeling like a failure. But if you'll learn that he loves you despite, it will give you confidence to overcome what you're terrified of. I, I see it in my kids. They, he, he feels like he can't hit the baseball. But all of a sudden, when I love him and I believe in him, now he can do it. He can ride his bike. He can throw a football 100 yards. He can pass any test in school. When he knows that I'm with him, it changes things. When you know that God loves you regardless of what you've done this week, it will give you the confidence to overcome those cravings. Because his love is stronger than your cravings. Here's uh, the third point today is um, our, our soul. So, so we've got a soul in our body. And the way the book points it out, I don't know if it's accurate or not or what this is not like. You can take this as theology or not. But I'm just, as I thought about this for the last three months and this chapter, I have found in my life truth. This is going longer than I thought it was going to go. But is this, is, is this good stuff? Do you like this? Okay, cool. I'll just talk to you. Me and you, we'll do this here. This guy in this book that we're doing, Freedom, um, if you want a copy of it, there is a sign-up sheet in the back that my wife told me we'll have. And um, we ran out of books because uh, we ran out of, apparently all of you guys are interested in this. And I appreciate that with all my heart. So we ran out of books. So if you want a copy, we'll send you one online and it'll be great. Here we go. Your makeup is made up of your mind, your, your will, and your emotions. Now, I realize that in my life, my mind plays tricks on me. I can convince myself often things that are not true that are true. There are people, I don't know if you've ever met anyone, that is so smart. It is really hard for a, for a very smart person to come to the Lord because they feel like they have to understand it all first. I, I thank God that I'm dumb. Like, <laughs> it's just easier. I just, you know what, uh, I... I don't think that could happen, and then all of a sudden there's perfect stuff, like spinning, and then it's growing, and then like uh, there's arms popping out of that, and a heartbeat, and circular system, and then like the, it's, it's all just too right to be that. Like, I've never seen perfect come out of chaos. And so when I think about the way my mind works, the Bible would say it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. When you transform your mind, you'll begin to understand how good his will is. There is many people right now, what, what you don't understand is that your mind wants, above all things, is to learn. Your mind loves learning. Instinctively, without you knowing it, when you were even a little baby, your mind was trying to learn how to walk how to talk. I mean, it's fascinating to see babies. Like, between the ages of zero and five, how much stuff they learn. Anyway, they walk, run, talk, sing, dance, sports. They learn so much at a young age. And our minds are craving more information. Right now, with the way the internet works, we are learning so fast. You're learning things that aren't even true and believing them. For example, I read last night at 11 o'clock laying in my bed that there was another 
major league, uh, nope, national basketball, so NBA guy that has now fallen victim to the reality that the earth is flat. He has learned that the earth is flat. And I just think to myself, where are all these flat earth people coming from? Where are they learning this? And they, and they said, well, I've learned that um, you, um, wh- where is the end of the earth? And the, the guy says, well, we're not allowed to go there. Well, who is the guy standing at it? Who taught that guy that he can't go to the end of the earth to look over? Like, what is happening? But we're learning things so, um, that, was that a rabbit trail that I just went down? We're learning we're learning, we're learning, we're learning, and we have to be careful what we're learning. You have to be careful because there's so much information that is inundating you that if you're not transforming your mind by the renewing, by, by, by the word of God, man, I'm telling you, your mind is hungry for knowledge, but your mind is also willing to be lazy and unplug and watch television and be taught by social media in TV, and directors in Hollywood, we're letting boneheads that you would never, ever even want to become friends with teach you what is true. Okay, I'm almost done. We have a will. We have a heart. Listen to this. I love 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 this. I grew up as a kid, and my mom used to always tell me, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And I have learned in my life since I've become an adult that that is one of the dumbest things that I could ever do in my whole life. I have fallen in love with some people that, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? I have wanted things with all my heart, things that were absolutely dangerous and bad for me. If we follow our heart, it can lead us into some things that is really not good for you and anyone in your life. I'll prove it. The Word of God says this, Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and, and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That the heart is deceitful above all things. You know what I realized? Many people that are teenagers, I'm talking to everyone in the back row, if you're here today and you're not married, there are many people that are signing up to get married because they want to be loved. And if that's why you're getting married, it's going to be a hard road. Because I'm, I'm telling you, like, I, my wife is so, she's one of the most wonderful people in the world. The way she gives, the way she works, the way she pursues me, the way she takes care of me, the way she loves me. But I, I, even when she doesn't mean to, she's going to let me down. And it hurts when your spouse lets you down. It hurts you in a way when people you love let you down. When they hurt you, it hurts deep. When our parents let us down. When our children let us down. When our spouses let us down. It hurts when our bosses let us down. When our pastors let us down. It hurts deep because we trust them. But you know what your heart was designed to do? It was designed to love. Like when you give. It's the most rewarding thing in the world. You were designed to be loved by God and to love Him. But when you fall in love, the commitment and the vow that we're making is not actually, I vow that that you will love me all the days of my life. But that's why we get divorced. We get divorced because I don't feel like they love me anymore. I just don't feel it anymore. 
I don't feel, I don't feel like they love me. I don't feel like they care. And we turned into like, that wasn't the commitment that we signed up for. Our heart deceived us into believing that what marriage was about was feeling great. No, it was about you are the most wonderful person that I've ever met in my life. And I vow until I don't have breath in my lungs that I will serve you and make you feel the love that I find in Christ. That's it. It's not about feelings at all. It's about what I found in Jesus I'm going to give to you. But our hearts deceive us. They deceive us in, about work, your job. You just quit your job. You know, you'll find another one. There's plenty of fish in the sea. There's plenty of like, man, we have a generation of quitters that we're raising up. That are living by their feelings. Then everything is supposed to happen right now. And it's not going to happen that way. You're not going to just get promoted. You're going to have to put some time in, Jack. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to have to learn the hard way. I think I'm done. Come on. Let's do it. Here's what I'm asking. Are you driven by your emotions? You know what? I have, some, I know some, I, I, I have learned in my life that there are a lot of Christians that when they don't feel God, feel like he's not there. Or they feel like they can't trust their boss, or they can't trust their coworkers, or they can't, or they don't feel X, Y, Z. If you're led by your emotions, life is going to get hard. Because there's a lot of days, I got to tell you, I don't feel like a pastor. There's a lot of days I don't feel like a husband or a father. I don't feel like I don't feel like working today. I don't feel like a lot of stuff. But I am not what I feel. And so what is most important is that you understand that your spirit leads your life. That what you know to be true on the inside has to be what decides what you feel is now true. Your mind is going to play tricks on you and you have to know this is not the word of God. This is not right. Like think about it. There's some people here that, that refuses to give their finances. You are never going to understand the concept of giving doesn't make sense but I can tell you and there's a lot of people in this room that it is 100% better to give than to receive amen and somehow I have gained more wealth in my life by giving than ever by receiving but if you're waiting to understand that it's going to be a long time in my life I was justified the moment that I opened my heart to Jesus yet because I don't understand things my mind plays tricks on me, and I'm, my heart is prone to wander. Because I feel things. I have desires in my life, and my heart now is prone to wander. My body doesn't want to put the work in, and now my heart is prone to wander. But you have a spirit. Would you drop the light, Scotty, real quick? This is how we're going to close today. I think... I don't know how much of this is making sense. I get excited sometimes. I think there's some folks here that feel like they've let God down. And I want you to know that you have a spirit that has decided to love Jesus. And your spirit is justified. You, it's like, it's, it's as if you never sinned. But getting rid of the stuff in your mind is going to be a process. And you're going to have to give yourself a little bit of slack. Getting rid of the stuff in your heart is going to be a process. Getting rid of the unforgiveness and the hurt 
and the bitterness. It's going to be a process, and you're going to have to give yourself a little grace. Getting rid of some of the cravings in your life, the desires and the impulses. It's going to be a process, and you're going to have to give yourself a little bit of grace. But you are his child. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you help me real quick? I believe that there is no greater moment for anyone in this room than the moment that the Holy Spirit washes our soul. The moment that we lay it down and He cleanses. The moment that we declare that Jesus, you're wiser than me and you've got it right and I don't know what I'm doing. That is what you were made for. It's your destiny to know that Jesus is Lord and you're not. If With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you right now, would you just raise your hand? God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I love you. This is why we're here right now. You are mine, says the Lord. I just want to create an atmosphere for three and a half minutes. Would you just let go of everything in your life for a second and just say, God, have your way as Rachel sings. I surrender holding on to some sin. I surrender all. And you were meant to be with him. planned on ending the message with this and then the, that song. This is what we're going to do. We're going to say this and then we're going to do this song. This is part of the plan. Listen. In my life, I have had days where I was studying for a test and I've studied and I've studied and I've studied and I've studied. And at the end of that studying, it's like I have reached a mental capacity where I can't, there's nothing else I can get in. I am mentally completely exhausted. Have you ever been there? And then someone's standing in front of you and they're talking and it's like you can't even hear what they're saying because you've got so much crammed, you're done. 
I've been in moments in my life where I've worked so hard for such a long period of time that I was completely exhausted at the end, where I was good for nothing. And I physically exhausted, and it was like I was so vulnerable at the end where I couldn't listen to anything anyone was saying. I had to take my shoes off. I had to put my feet up, and I had to go right to sleep. You ever been there? Your body and your mind are real, and so is your spirit. And somehow when your body has a craving, we have to satisfy it. When you need food, you have to satisfy that hunger. When your mind has a craving, you have to satisfy it. Why is it that we don't satisfy the craving of our spirit? He loves you. Today, if you've done wrong, I want you to know, so have I. And he likes me just the same. We're going to end with this song. I'm going to dismiss. If you know it, would you sing? And all to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely trust him in his presence sorry I've, I gotta say one more thing I don't wanna this isn't like a new age thing like we're not gonna go into like these things all the time like your mind your body your spirit but what I do know is that in my nature my heart's prone to wander and I hate that and I'm gonna fight that all the days of my life and that every person in this room has a tendency to be mentally strong to be feeling strong or to be craving strong and all of those tendencies walk us away from the Lord because we're so 
stubborn in that nature that it's a stronghold in that area of my life. And maybe you haven't recognized that yet, but I believe that there are things that hold us back from what we want most, and that's to go crazy hard after God. And so this isn't like weird, like, like all new agey, new age, I don't know. But don't get weird about it. You got an issue, and I got an issue, and we all got an issue. And it's part of the way he created us. But we want to submit ourselves to the reality that he, we are justified today. So you can be who you are and walk in what God's calling you to do perfectly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless these people here. And I... Uh, I thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you like me when I'm dumb or prideful or stubborn. I thank you that you love us when we're wrong or our heart gets, uh, when we lose patience on people or when we get uh, weird crazings or impulses or desires or, or we think in certain patterns that are just wrong and we know it. Lord, I, I, I thank you that you are faithful when we are not. I thank you that you are good when we are not. I thank you that you love us when we don't love ourselves or love you or love others. I thank you that you are the best thing that's ever happened to me and I love you and I'm I'm so grateful for you, for your friendship, for the way that you pursue us, for the way that you undo us, that you are relieving us of our insecurities and our thought patterns and our fears and our worries and our confusion. We can rest in the reality that you are good. I bless them today with the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Thanks for coming, guys. We'll see you Wednesday night and Saturday. Love you.